The job of the pastor, <clears throat> as I have been told down through the years, is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So get ready to be afflicted. I'm going to be old Mrs. Roden to you today. I'll explain that to you a little bit later, and uh, you'll understand it. You know, uh, last week we launched our 2020 vision. Well, we talked about it some months ago, and uh, we talked about it again last Sunday. If you missed that message, I, I would encourage you to go to the church website. You can go to the website, and you can listen to it, or you can go to the Facebook page, and, and you can watch it. Or if you would like to have a printed copy, I'd like to, you to have a printed copy, and you can read it word for word. And So what we did last Sunday is we talked about correcting some of our vision problems as a church are allowing the Lord to help us correct them because we certainly can't correct them on our own. And we talked about 2020 vision as it relates to the human eye. It refers to clarity and acuity and ability to focus. But as it relates to spiritual vision, what we're talking about, that is the ability to see things that God wants you to see and me to see both for our life and both for our church. And I think that you would agree that that would be very important for any individual or for any church. Our 2020 vision has uh, three emphasis, and that is building on the past. And there's some slides that you can go ahead and get to. Uh, building on the past, uh, celebrating the present, and embracing the future. We build on the past because First Baptist Church has a rich heritage of leadership and faithfulness, just rich, far richer than some of you know. Some of you can remember, and I'm just calling you to remember that, to remember the time in this church's history when it was a great, strong church. Uh, but also we need to celebrate the present because there are some things that God is doing even in the here and now, and those are our spiritual markers, and we need to see them, and we need to you need to write them down and you need to remember them because the day will come in the future when you will need to rehearse that. Some of you are young and you'll need to rehearse that. You'll need to say, well, I remember back in 2020 and it's 2050. I remember when our church did this or when God did this in our church. Spiritual markers need to be celebrated when they happen and then rehearsed as you go through your life. You do that in your own life. There are things that God did for you you write those down and then later you come back to them in your Bible or you tell somebody about them. That's just a testimony. And finally, we need to embrace the future. We need to see God's vision for our future. And when we do, when he shows us our assignment, we need to focus all of our energies uh, and resources to accomplish what God has called us to do. And then there are four areas, and that's the next slide, four areas that I would like us to focus on this year as part of our 2020 vision, and those are simply passion, purpose, people, and prayer. And we've already mentioned all those things. Doug mentioned people, Van mentioned prayer, uh, and uh, this morning I'm going to be talking about passion. We'll talk about all those. I'll take a Sunday and talk about each of those so that you can sort of feel the thrust of how this is going to go and, and what God wants us to do. And, and it's open, really. It's open. It's wide open because... It's a framework. This is just simply the structure, the framework by which we will allow God to build uh, His vision for our church. It's not important what your vision is, really. It's not important what my vision is. What is important is what God's vision is. So 
Today, our focus is going to be on passion, and the Bible uses another word that describes the kind of passion I want us to focus on, and that word is zeal. So I want you to look at one verse from the book of Ezra, uh, chapter 7 of Ezra, and it is verse uh, 23, where the Lord uh, spoke through Ezra, or Ezra spoke, and he said, whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, uh, you underline that, whatever, the God of heaven is the one who commands it, not the pastor, not the prophet. But whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be done with zeal for the house of God, of the God of heaven, so that there will not be wrath against the kingdom, the king and his son. The word zeal in English means energetic and unflagging pursuit of an aim or devotion to a cause. But if you'll notice, if you read in your Bible, if you have a different translation, uh, you will find the word translated in some translations, let it be done diligently. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. One translation uses diligently and honorably. And then, of course, we could add to that with an energetic and unflagging devotion to the cause. But there's another passage in the Old Testament that the Gospel of John uses to refer to the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ for the work of the Lord. It comes from Psalm 69, verse 9, but John writes it, he records it in John 2, 17. He said, speaking of Jesus, zeal for your house will consume me. From that word zeal, I want to develop a picture of the kind of passion that God expects from the people who carry on His work. It is a fact that people in all walks of life, often lose their zeal or their passion for their work. So the first point in this message is simply this. All of life, all of life is about passion. Nick Foles is an NFL quarterback who now plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. His Twitter account lists his profile in this way. Believer in Jesus Christ, husband, father, Son and brother. That's his Twitter account. He's an NFL quarterback, but his Twitter account says, Believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, husband, father, son, and brother. He does not list in his Twitter account in his little highlights that he was also the most valuable player of the 2017 Super Bowl. Before becoming the most valuable player of the Super Bowl, he had actually considered retiring from the NFL. In his own words, he said, I really struggled. I couldn't pick up a football for about eight months. I had no love for the game, and it was tough. He said, I kept reading Scripture, I kept praying, I kept asking God. And he said, so many of us ask God for signs. We ask God to just write it on the wall so we can know what it is He wants us to do, but that's not how it works. He said He was not going to do that. He was shaping me, and He was bringing me down to my knees. At that moment, through that prayer, Nick Foles felt God saying to him, Hey, just take a step of faith. You're either going to stop playing the game of football, and you're going to go on into a different area of your life, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be the most important thing in your life, or you're going to step back into football, you're going to continue to play, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way, and you're going to play to glorify me. Nick Foles added that choosing to return to football was the greatest decision 
he ever made because of what he went through and the completely reinvigorated outlook on the game that it gave him that resulted from that struggle. It was a struggle to find his passion, a passion not centered on football, but centered on the Lord. And what I want to do this morning is, to, is to, for you to see that this is true in every area of your life. You do what you have a passion for. You are committed to it. It is your life. It is not an addendum to your life. It is not an option. It is your passion. It is who you are. And what helped Nick Foles was to see that football did not define his life. God did. His life was to be shaped around his commitment to Christ and not his commitment to football. And it's great to see an NFL quarterback to have such a perspective, but it would be even better if we could see that kind of passion and that kind of philosophy right here in our church, that whatever we do, whether we are the doctor in town or the lawyer in town or the preacher in town or the teacher in town or whatever we do, our passion is about being a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have a problem that's evident. It's evident in the church. And uh, it's not just evident in this church, it's evident in a lot of churches, but it's a fact, and I think that you might uh, agree with me, and that is, some time ago, some of you lost your passion for God and His work. Maybe like Nick Foles, you had a rough season, and it got the best of you. That happens. Then maybe you need to have a sit-down with the Lord and find out who you are and why He made you and how He wants to use you in His work. One thing for sure, passionless playing shows up on the field and passionless worship shows up in and service shows up in the church and it shows up here. Listen, I understand about being a professional. I know how to be a professional minister. I can go through the motions of a prayer or a sermon or a funeral and say all the right words and mean none of them. If you're a musician, you can do the same thing with a song. You can hit all the right notes at all the right times and say all the right words and mean none of it. If you're a deacon, you can do the same thing. You can pass the plate at the right time and attend the meetings and come to church and pray at the offering and mean none of it. It's road and ritual. It's lip service sometimes to a commitment that simply doesn't exist anymore. Bart Starr, a former NFL quarterback of long ago, in describing what it took to give him a true passion for life, says, I wasn't mentally tough. I wasn't mentally tough before I met Coach Vince Lombardi. I hadn't reached that point where I refused to accept second best. Coach Lombardi told me that you have to have a flaming desire to win. It's got to dominate your waking hours. It can't ever wane. It has to glow in you all the time. Bart Starr died this past year. He died in May. But his legacy lives on in an annual award given out by the NFL and, and voted on by the players for outstanding character and leadership on and off the field. It's called the Bart Starr Award. It's that on and off the field I want to talk to you about because if you're passionless in one area of life, especially in that area that is supposed to be, supposed to be the most important, it's likely to translate into every area of, that, of your life. 
that, that flaming desire that characterized Bart Starr glows in the best of athletes. It glows in the best of leaders. It glows in the best of God's servants. And it glows in the best of churches. A professional athlete has to be more than just a professional. He has to have a passion. And when he loses his passion, the game is over, both for him and his team. Life is all about passion. And it doesn't get any easier, let me tell you. Just pull up your britches and lace up your shoes. It's not going to get any easier. Number two, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ should reflect a passion for God. Now the Bible is filled with stories of people who lost their passion for God and of the negative impact it made on their lives and their leadership. But then you have the story, thankfully, of people like Moses, and we mentioned Moses last week, the fact that Moses, when he was 120 years old, the Bible says his eye was not dim, nor his vigor, his passion, it wasn't abated. Your church in two years is going to be 120, and you don't want to lose your passion as a church. You want to still have an eye that's not dim and a vigor that's not abated. And then there's Caleb, who at the age of 85 gave this testimony to Joshua. He said, Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as He spoke these 45 years, and 45 years, 40 of them in the wilderness, 5 of them in the promised land. He's 85, and he said, From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I'm 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me as my strength was then, so my strength is now for war, for going in, and for coming out. Caleb said, let's get with it, let's pull up our britches, slap on our sandals, and let's do the work that God has called us to do. That's passion, and for the, both of these men, it was not just a passion for living. It was a passion for God and for His purpose. Now, at First Baptist Church, we suffer from a passion problem. We, we have folks, deacons included, who don't even have the passion to show up for the service, much less to invest themselves in the Lord's work. Now, I know a man can be busy with his family and with his career, but I also tell you this, if a man has no passion for God, his family is in trouble because he's leading them the wrong way, and so is his career because he's building it on the wrong foundation. Why do little boys play ball? I mean, I could ask one, little boys, why they play ball. They play ball because of the joy of it. Nobody wants to play ball because it's their job. And when it becomes a job, that's when you'll find a professional athlete who say, I don't want to do this anymore, it's time to hang up. If a, if a family is a job and not a joy, you'll lose your passion for family. If work is a job and not a joy, you'll lose your passion for work. If church is, not, is a job and not a joy you lose your passion for church. But worse than that, if you don't know the joy of the Lord, you'll never know joy at church. You'll never know the joy of singing. You'll never know the joy of serving. You'll never know the joy of preaching or praying or waiting a few extra minutes at the invitation to see if somebody will respond. Let's be honest. Who do you want to hang out with? Do you want to hang out with somebody you know and whose presence you enjoy, who you can talk to and relate to, or do you want to hang out with a perfect stranger? Now, honestly, I, you know, uh, I'm sort of shy. I just really am very shy. And I don't often just walk up to perfect strangers and say, hey, can we hang out? You know, I'd like to spend some time with you. 
And so the answer to that is easy. You want to hang out with somebody you know, somebody you have a connection with. The reason so many church members have no passion for church or church work or worship or prayer or service is they have no passion to hang out with somebody they really don't know. And for too many, Jesus for them has become a perfect stranger. Some years ago, I was trying to describe my friendship uh, with a person. We were good friends in the now distant past, and I have no doubt we were still friends. We could pick up our relationship. But as I was describing our friendship to the other person, who was a family member of his, I realized my friend and I had not talked in years, and I didn't even know the names of his children. That's not being very close friends, is it? Yes, that's about how close some of us are to Jesus. You say that Jesus is your friend, yet you've never even read its book. It, his book, it's been so long since you walked with Him or talked with Him, no wonder your worship and service is passionless or non-existent. Until Jesus becomes your joy, your joy to be with, your joy to walk with, your joy to know, your joy to love, your joy to serve. Church is going to be a terrible chore. It's going to be difficult to come, to get yourself up. I've got to go to church. I've been that way. You put a passionless choir and a passionless church with a passionless pastor and passionless deacons and passionless Sunday school teacher. Who do you think will want to come? Nobody. Nobody. Next, yesterday's spiritual passions will not meet today's spiritual needs. One of the books that helped me shape my life was a book I read 34 years ago when I was at Agricola. It was a little book by Gordon MacDonald called Ordering Your Private World. After I read that book, I started getting other books by Gordon MacDonald. And one of the other books I read during that same period of time was Renewing Your Spiritual Passion. Gordon MacDonald in that book says, Yesterday's spiritual passion cannot be today's energy. Passion quickly dissipates. It must be renewed like the manna that the children gathered daily in the wilderness. They couldn't gather tomorrow's manna today. They had to gather it day by day. If they didn't, it spoiled. And we have to restore our spiritual passion regularly. And the way to do that is in your daily devotions and personal prayer time. And it would make a really be a really good New Year's resolution if you decided that you were just going to find the time in your life where you could meet the Lord every day, where you could read your Bible, just read your Bible, one chapter, two chapters, three chapters, and pray and ask God to help you and help you have His vision for, for your life and, and for your future. The way to have a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ is to have a relationship with Him. If you have no relationship with Him, It'll never translate into church when you come to church. You'll never benefit from church. You just won't. You won't get anything out of the sermon. You won't get anything out of the service because you will not have the joy of the Lord and the joy of walking with the Lord and knowing the Lord. Now to Ms. Roden. When I was a senior in high school, I had to write a research paper. And during the time of writing, our teacher, Ms. Roden, was an eclectic sort of lady, and she got run over by her own car. And so she was out for a while, and we all made fun of Miss Roden. Miss Roden, I mean, she was, she was old. I mean, she wasn't, I don't know how old she was. I, I mean, she was older than me right now. 
she was old. And this older lady teaching school, and I'm sure, you know why she taught school? Because she had a passion for it. And so we didn't know that then. I didn't know that when I was 17 years old. Miss Roden had a passion. And so I wrote my research paper, and I turned the paper into the substitute who was there with us for several months. And uh, it was just fine. The substitute, young lady, new teacher, accepted it and gave me a C. And I was satisfied. But then Miss Roden came back. And she took one look at my research paper, and instead of leaving me with a C, she handed it back to me and said, do it over. Eddie Davidson, you can do better. Even NFL quarterbacks have to learn that second best is not good enough. It is certainly not good enough in God's work, and we need you and I to approach our worship and service with a passion for God. I've been a pastor for 43 years, I checked this with my wife last night. I talked to her and I said, look, I've been doing this for 43 years. Have you ever seen me at a point where I, you felt like I had more passion to do what I do than I have today? I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. I'm enjoying being your pastor. I love being your pastor. I love you. I love your church. I want to see your church flourish. And I want to see you flourish spiritually. Now, let me tell you, I have had less passion in the past than I have right now. And when I had less, it was not because my Lord let me down. It was because I let Him down. I didn't show up for my devotion time. I wasn't praying like I should. I didn't have time for my relationship with Him because I guess I figured I could do today's ministry on yesterday's passion and yesterday's relationship. I can tell you from experience it doesn't work. I want to be old Mrs. Roden to First Baptist Church. I want to get your attention and tell you that the C work that you've been putting out for God is not acceptable. The one thing I know about First Baptist Church is that you can do better. You do better in your profession. You do better in school. You do better in everything else you can do. And God knows we can do better. The efforts that we're presenting to Him for our, in our service are not acceptable. Go back to that passage in the book of Ezra. Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be done with zeal for the God of heaven so that there will not be wrath against the kingdom and the king and his sons. The Hebrew word is adraza, and it means with a correctness an exactness and a diligence that befits the effort. But that's not some of the way our efforts are carry, carried out. They wouldn't pass, pass muster in the workplace, and they wouldn't get a passing grade at school. Uh, we're giving yesterday's passion to, to today's immediate spiritual needs, and it's not getting the job done. Let me share with you another passage of Scripture. Psalm 149, verses 2 through 6. The first time I ever saw this passage of Scripture was in 2008. I've got it marked here in my Bible. Uh, and uh, I was with Ron Owens, who wrote Experiencing God Through Worship. He and Henry Blackaby co-wrote that together. And Ron, Blo Rowan, Ron Owens was leading a week-long seminar uh, with us at the Canadian Baptist Seminary in Cochrane, Alberta. And he introduced us, can you say, introduced to a bunch of preachers who had been preachers for over 20 years. He introduced me to a passage of Scripture that I've become tickled by. I want to read it to you, this Psalm 149, just verses 2 through 6. And I want to read it to you 
in a little different way than it's read and point something out to you. Let First Baptist Church be glad in her Maker. Let the members of First Baptist rejoice in their King. Let them praise His name with dancing. Let them sing praises to Him with timbrel and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. The word is Yeshua, and that's the word for Jesus. People who worship like that and live like that and serve like that, Jesus shows up in their midst. Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. That's the part I had never seen before. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. That is a call for passion and worship based on who God is and, and the, God's Word and God's ways will fuel our passion for the future. Finally, First Baptist Church, this is the last point, must develop a passion for the applause of heaven. We turn to God in His Word, allowing Him to feed us. We carry our burdens to Him in prayer so that we don't have to carry them alone. We get to know Him so intimately that when we come to church and, and Brother Doug asked us to sing, we're singing to our Lord and, and worshiping in His presence, unconcerned about what others might think. We, we, we're glad in our Maker. We rejoice in our King. Uh, every time we gather here, we stand before an audience of one. Only one. You're not seeking to please Brother Doug when you sing, or me, and I'm not seeking to please you or anybody else. We're seeking to please Him. We are to worship Him and serve Him and live for Him and love Him all the while longing for the applause of heaven. Have you ever watched a football game and seen this, those pro games? I guess they do it best in those pro games. They can jump a little higher. And, but the player runs, makes a touchdown and he runs down into the end zone and he jumps up into the stand, into the stands and some of those fans get in and grab him and they pat him on the back and they applaud his effort. That feeds his passion for the game, that appreciation, that applause. Listen, I could care less whether you're happy with my sermon when I finish. I, I may make all of you mad, but if, I know if my Lord is pleased that if I have the applause of heaven, that feeds my passion. So I simply want to ask you, what is it that you want here in your church? Do you want to carry on your traditions? Is it that? Just so we can carry on our traditions and be what we have been and do what we do. Do you want to maintain the status quo and be known in town as the church with the nice stained glass windows? Or do you want the Lord to be so pleased with your worship and service that He honors this place with His presence and power so that when you sing and serve and worship, you feel His pleasure and receive His applause? I'm asking you to check your personal spiritual passion. Do you have a passion for God? Did you ever have it? If you did, what happened to it? Would you ask God to restore the joy of your salvation? Maybe you lost it due to sin. Maybe you have neglected to visit the Lord in His Word and prayer. Passion is one of those four things that's missing in our church. Missing when we sing, missing when we pray, missing in our gatherings with one another. So ask yourself, does my personal worship, my service, my prayer life, my devotional life, 
my lifestyle bring pleasure to the Lord Jesus Christ? Does my passion as a believer warrant the applause of heaven? If not, why not? If not now, when? Let's pray.